It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Minnesota Vikings went 13-4 and in year one under Kevin O'Connell, but they transitioned away from several key veterans. Can they repeat as NFC North champs? It's Vikings Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy National No Cavities for Kyle Day. Oh, big to you here. Congrats. Locked on NFL Scouting. Yeah. Had my dentist appointment at eight this morning before we recorded. Yeah, it's clutch. Way to to get that in, man. How they look? They look good. Beautiful. Nicely done. Nice. On the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the YouTube channel, I feel very compelled to tell people that I am not at my normal house. So, like, if you're just tuning in for the first time and you're like, what's up with this guy's background? You know, like, listen. Joey's got a, a floor stand lamp behind him there, right. and it looks like a throw rug on, on the curtain rod for you the know, curtains. And we're in a how's the beach? The beach good? It's it's, it's lovely. It's been good. lovely so far. Rain the rest of the week. So if you have anti rain dances, if you could do those, that'd be great. So I did have one final thought on no cavities for Kyle Day. Okay, here on the show, is there a more beautiful art form than being? <laughs> A dental technician, I, I think that's what the job title is. Like the person who actually does the initial cleaning of your teeth. Yeah. Who doesn't turn into Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger with your gums mm-hmm. and can much. like successfully clean your teeth without just hacksawing away. My technician now is outstanding, but I've had bad ones before that I'm convinced that they're just like blood sport. Well, and, and the conversation component of it's also key, right? You, mm. you got you to gotta thread the needle between what they're going to say to you or what they're not going to say to you and, and all the dynamics you just referenced. So. And, and strategizing your own responses with tools not... in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right, man. It's, it's like, yeah, I, I can sit here. I can't even nod my head to agree with you, right? Because you're, right. you're working in there. <laughs> so that shout out to all of the artistic 
uh, dental technicians mm. out there uh, for the work that you do, because it's it can be a very pleasant or unpleasant experience, depending on some of the finer points and tip of the cap to the woman that I had this morning because she was outstanding. All right, we're talking Minnesota Vikings, Vikings here today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. And this is such an interesting football team because they came out, they won 13 games under Kevin O'Connell in their first mm-hmm. season and had some pretty crazy wins along the way. I think we all knew watching it last year that, hey, like, good for this football team. I think it's great that they won these purple games. Cockroaches. It's, it, but, but they're purple cockroaches. Yeah, that's that's a fair way to put it. But I think it's there's a lot of goodwill that goes into that. When you're Kevin O'Connell and you can step in one in, in the first season and be able to put up a 13-win season, that's going to buy a lot of goodwill, right, uh, towards the uh, organization, towards the players, towards the fans. And I think it's going to allow people to kind of buy in and let this play out. And obviously, they've made some calculated choices. And we're going to talk about that as we move along this discussion because we're focusing on the offense here uh, right now. But it is an interesting football team to kind of calibrate and have that lens as we start this conversation. But uh, offensively, you know, it's an interesting football team. They've, um, they've done a lot here in terms of draft pick investments to assemble an offensive line. Um, and I think they've had some decent hits, right? Obviously, Ezra Cleveland's turned out to be a serviceable, serviceable starter, Garrett Bradbury, but I think their tackles, being able to draft Christian Derrissaw and what he has turned into for this football team after two seasons, looking like he's on this pathway to being one of the premier left tackles in the game to go with a really high-quality football player uh, in Brian O'Neill. And it feels like for so many years we've talked about the Vikings and the offensive line and you know, just kind of piecing it together. And we'll see on Ed Ingram. It was a bumpy road for him as a rookie. Uh, but I think there's there's reasons to be optimistic there. I, I think he was worth a day two pick. I thought of him as an NFL starter. I'm sure he'll grow uh, in year two. But I feel like for the first time in a long time, I can look at this Vikings offensive line and feel somewhat good about what's what what's there. Now, I think that, you know, like maybe Garrett Bradbury's not a super high impact, like, you know, going to be one of the premier centers in the league, but I think he's serviceable. But all in all, I say all that to say that I feel like the conversation about the Vikings and and the offensive line has really turned the corner here over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think they have really strong bookend tackles. Um, I, I think the challenges that Minnesota has, particularly up front, uh, stems on the interior with an uh, Ingram in year two, Garrett Bradbury in the run game specifically. I mean, Joe. It, for all of the talk about Kevin O'Connell and this team comes in and is eighth in the league in scoring offense, like they, I felt they were very feast or famine in the run game this past season. And I know they didn't call a great volume of runs. They were 28th in the league in rushing attempts, but 4.1 yards per attempt was 26th in the NFL in yards per attempt. And you look at Philadelphia dominated them up front, 62 rushing yards. Uh, New Orleans, 81 team rushing yards. The Dolphins, 78 rushing yards, and 55 of those came on one Dalvin Cook run in the final five minutes to put the game on ice. You seem to remember that well. Yeah, it was that one was hard to forget. Uh, Washington, they, they ran for 56 yards against Washington, 73 against Dallas, New England, 57, 22 against Detroit. I mean, there's and then the playoff game against the Giants with those defensive tackles, 61 rushing yards. So I think for the offensive line to take the next step, oh, by the way, Dalvin Cook's no longer here either from a running game perspective. And I don't know that that's necessarily a horrible thing or a bad thing or a good thing. It's just an acknowledgement that there's some change there. 
I think Ed Ingram needs to take a big step forward because Garrett Bradbury is the kind of center that needs help. He, he needs to be the assist player in, on the front, right? And teams that are going to put somebody head up on Garrett Bradbury and occupy the B-gaps and force you to go man-on-man on the interior, I don't know how much success you're going to have running the ball in between the tackles because Garrett Bradbury is just not that kind of player, right? So I think that's why the, the strength of the tackles and having Johnny Munt with TJ Hawkinson as blocking presence players mm-hmm. at, at tight end is really essential. I think this has to be a team that's more consistent capturing the edge because I just don't know unless Ann Ingram takes a major step forward that the DNA is here to consistently run the ball downhill. I think the good news is, though, if Ed Ingram does take that step, he does have a lot of power. Like, that's the best thing about Ed Ingram watching him at LSU is he's a physical people mover in the SEC. And if that can translate to the Vikings, I think that'd be huge for them. What's also interesting about the Vikings, and I know that Dalvin Cook's no longer part of this mix, but I think in the passing game in terms of weapons, I feel like we have a defined top three, and I think it's been a little bit loose for a while. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, uh, wide receiver one in the NFL. I mean, he certainly has a pretty pretty big claim to yeah, that. I'd say so. Okay, <laughs> we're not going to argue about that. No. TJ Hawkinson, who they traded for, and I thought it was a pretty modest trade to, to get him and, and what he turned in, a, you know, it's really productive. swaps, really. Really, I mean, it's just pretty yeah. incredible to, from a division rival just say, yeah, here you go. We, we're not going to pay him, so why don't you just take him off our hands? We'll move around a little bit in the draft. But I'm out. Okay, that's a real timeout. Because I was going to talk about Jordan Addison, but yes, we're going to talk about Jordan Addison. But it's just you speaking about that, that kind of the light bulb came on here. Isn't it fascinating that Detroit justified the trade of Hawkinson for we're not going to pay Hawkinson and we don't want to pay the contract to a non, we don't want to pay a premier contract to a non essential position. And then they turn around and did what they did with all their draft capital. It's just kind of, just kind of funny, isn't it? (laughs) Weird, right? But Jordan Addison being yeah. that third, re- well, I, I assume he'd probably Jordan be the number Addison. two option, and then T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a pretty, pretty formidable top three if, if it reaches yes. its ceiling. Curious to see how Alexander Madison takes over as the lead back. I think um, we've enjoyed Alexander Madison in those spot starts, right for Dalvin Cook, who you know will occasionally miss some time each year. And Madison comes in and has a big game, and he's a fantasy darling, and everyone's waiting for those moments where Madison gets to you know, get the, the volume, right? Because it, it's, it was either no carries or, okay, he's the focal point of the offense when, when Dalvin cooks out. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that comes together, but it feels like Kirk cousins does have an established top three in the passing game. So I have a hot take about Alexander Madison, but I'll do that after we tell everybody about their opportunity over at FanDuel. Yeah. So maybe you're a Minnesota twins fan and you're fully aware that baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash on today and join. And folks, they got a lot of great stuff going on. There's great promotions every single day. It's safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. And I also love the football futures bets that you can get in on. So player props. Justin Jefferson receiving totals, Kirk Cousins passing totals. Maybe you're in on Alexander Madison. You want to bet the over on his production. You can check that out all over at FanDuel. There's simply no better place to get in on all this action than America's number one sports book. So don't miss your chance to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We, uh, feels like a missed opportunity for us to to bring the FanDuel team total in at the end of every show for this series. Kind of make a call. Yeah, this is this, this should probably right be helpful for anybody who uh, is doing futures bets. So go yeah. back through and, and watch the shows if if you're haven't if you're not an everydayer and you should be an everydayer and be plugged in with us on a daily basis because it is your team's everyday. You're on the Locked On NFL Network. Uh, anyway, my take on Alexander Madison, and I know I know we got to go over the defense side of the ball. This is the new Mike Davis. <laughs> this is the every year. It's the Sammy Watkins at wide receiver, right? It's that now Mike Davis. This is the year. I see this it. is the guy that's going to happen. Well, you know, Ty Chandler, rookie Dwayne McBride. I think there's some ceiling for those players. Yeah. McBride has fans too. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if that is a much more uh, shared backfield then maybe expectations because of the sweat equity and the fact that yeah. the team reinvested in Alexander Madison this offseason. Well, and and Wengu, for how good he is as a returner, you might want to try to get him the ball a little bit more offensively right. and see, see what that looks like because I'd want to find out for sure. Right, absolutely. So that's the offense. Defense, Brian Flores takes over this unit. Kyle, I would love to get your initial prevailing thought as we consider the Vikings' defensive person. A lot of tr- transitions here. No Zadarius okay. Smith. No Eric Kendricks, no Pat Pete, really different looking unit. Yeah, make sure I have, for those of you who are up on the YouTube channel, I do have the depth chart up. Um, they, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little concerned with the horses that we have on the outside. Why, why'd you use the word little? Uh, I'm very concerned about the horses. That <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Let's be honest right, here, man. So the, the, DNA, the DNA of Brian Flores' defense um, – they love to run a ton of cover one, cover one and cover three, AKA middle of the field, close coverage. So from a run fits perspective, you're going to have eight man spacing in the box. They're going to have a, you're going to have a hat for every gap, unless you're playing a quarterback run team, right? You get a ton of cover zero, but if you're going to play cover one, which if it's third and five plus, you're going to see a ton of cover one and you're going to get a ton of zero which is nobody deep in the middle of the field, you're hat for hat, and then you're rushing the rest, and then you might end up dropping guys out underneath to try and rob underneath hot throws if, if based on your pressure looks. Your corners have to play on an island and thrive on an island and play a lot of man coverage and, and be physical, but also simultaneously have transitional technique and consistency and I'm looking at a cornerback. Like we both loved Andrew Booth, right? Big time, loved him. So he's an incomplete evaluation right now because he, second year player, and played in two games. It, it didn't hardly played last year. 
So an incomplete evaluation there. We, we think the ceiling there is really good, but you have to see it first. Then you have a Caleb Evans, Joe Williams, who was a second-round pick and flamed out in New England. So, of course, uh, Patriots disciple <laughs> coach went out and got him. Uh, Tay Gowan. Third team already, right? Correct. Two years? Correct. Uh, Makai Blackman is a rookie out of USC. I love Makai Blackman State, but Blackman's State, but he's not a big player, right? So if you're going to have the physical press component, that's where I think Andrew Booth and Joe Williams and Caleb Evans, like they check those boxes. I don't know that Makai Blackman does. Kalon Barnes, big time track speed athlete yeah. out of Baylor, uh, but was an undrafted free agent and didn't stick with the Dolphins. Then you have Byron Murphy, who's a, a quality starter addition in the nickel. Are you going to play him outside? Are you going to play him in the nickel? If you play him outside, he's probably not the most effective version of himself. I just, I, I look at Brian Flores probably either going to have to be a little bit more flexible with how he runs the defense or these guys are going to have to step up in a big, big way versus what we've seen. And if he compromises the defense to tailor to what you have on the perimeter, while that's good coaching on one hand, I think it removes the most appealing components of what Brian Flores as a defensive play caller brings to the table. So there's, I think there's a little bit of an, a crisis here that, that the cornerback room needs to step up and resolve. Would you rather go to war with the Vikings cornerback room or the Bears defensive line? Oh, God. Um, Give me the Vikings corners. Probably the Vikings corners. <laughs> Fair amount of concern both ways. Uh, man, I hope Andrew Booth puts it together. Uh, I loved him at Clemson, but injuries mm-hmm. has really been the issue. I mean, only played in two games last year. A bunch of stuff popped up late in his uh, final season at Clemson and throughout the draft process. So hopefully he can be an answer. Um this uh, I'm sure they're excited about Lewis seen, right? He missed like his entire rookie season, right? I mean, yeah, he felt like he really only started coming into getting reps before he got hurt in London last year. So that's, you know, I think he can upgrade Cam Bynum and maybe use Cam Bynum a little bit more in a versatile role as a, you know, a sub package player. And then Harrison Smith, who's aging, but, you know, still a, an impact player and, and an important player for this defense is they, they need some veterans here that are going to be on the field every single snap. And I think they'll get that from, from Harrison Smith. Um, I'm excited about Brian Asamoah. Um, not that he played a ton last year, but I liked him a lot at Oklahoma. Um, I think that he can be another one of these young players. I mean, you have to look at players like that. It's, it is Lewis seen and Brian As- Asamoah and Andrew Booth, those types of guys like coming into s- some realization of their ceiling in, in their second season is going to be really important for this defense. And this defense really, really struggled last year. Right. I mean, this was, this was uh, statistically in just about any way that you can measure defense, one of the worst in the league. And um, these young guys taking a step is going to be important as we talked about them stepping away from a lot of key veterans on this unit. Um, I'm also interested in this defensive tackle situation. There's a lot of names. I'm not sure there's a lot of impact, though. I mean, Harrison Phillips, I think, is a very serviceable nose tackle. Then what else, man? Dean Lowry's a, a nice rotational player and has been, but I don't get excited about a lot here when it comes to this defensive tackle room. I mean, Crisis Tonga, Bullard and Lynch, those have been, you know, replacement level guys for me. So that interior of this defensive line doesn't get me quite as excited as the edge where, you know, Daniel Daniel Hunter has come back wonderfully from his injuries and looks like he's 
back to himself. And then Marcus Davenport, when he's healthy, he's a pretty good player, but you know, he's kind of been um, a little bit inconsistent with availability. And then they have some nice young depth players in Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham that I like. Um, but the interior of this defensive line is where I think you, you find questions and, you know, they're in this division. We, we always like to tie it back to the division lions, Packers and bears. Those teams want to run the football, man. Like, like that's going to be their identity. All three of those teams on offense, and you know, do they have them? The, are they stout enough in the middle of this defense, especially with some smaller linebackers? I like Hicks and Asamoa, but those guys are not the the most big, you know girthy downhill type players. I think they need to be covered up, and I'm not sure that they have the horses at the defensive tackle position right now uh, that they would ideally have to uh, do that. You know, they don't have Dalvin Tomlinson, another name from this defense that's no longer around. Couldn't help but chuckle that they added Ivan Pace Jr. That that is did. that is the Elandon Roberts. Brian Flores plug for sure. I, I do think Troy Reader can be a bit of a downhill type player as well. Um, he, he's kind of been a team's guy that's gotten some smatterings. I know when he was with the Rams, he got some smatterings of, of defensive reps. And I, I think he's he's got the physical profile to at least be that kind of player. But I agree with you up front. Um, well, I, I generally like the top four in the edge rush group with Daniel Hunter and Marcus Davenport and uh, younger guys in Wanham and Patrick Jones. I, I think there's some nice horses there that you think about uh, again, going back to Flores stops in, in new England and uh, in Miami with guys like Dietrich Weiss and Elan and or, uh, Emmanuel Agba. I think there's some, some mm. comparables there with body types with these players that, uh, you'll probably see some success with, uh, but but up front, I generally agree with you. I, I think Atomo can kind of have a nice rotational role if he continues to develop, but he is more of a developmental. Type. I just want to bet with myself. I knew you were going to bring him up at some point in this conversation. Good. Congratulations! Today. So, yeah, yeah, I'm cashing in. Um, and Lowry didn't play his best football last year for Green Bay, so. Uh, I think they're they're it's fair to question the spine of this defense, which is usually not the way of the Patriot, right? So just kind of looking at the DNA of the defense as a whole, I think I think there's questions. I think that you're facing a transitional period, but you make a great point, Joe, and what Minnesota was defensively last year, regardless. I think they were bottom five in they were bottom three in yards allowed, and I think they were bottom five in points allowed defensively last year, 427 points allowed in the regular season. So um, fair questions to bring up, but I also don't know how much yeah. worse it could have got, and that's even with them losing the veteran type of players that they did with Patrick Peterson and with Dalvin Tomlinson, like you mentioned. So uh, probably some lumps waiting, but uh, I think trying your best to bridge – and segue with youth and a scheme change that, that maybe you'll unearth some, some gems along the way. There's a reason for optimism. I just don't know if there's reasonable ceiling for year one for this Vikings team. You could hardly be upset about clinging to a nucleus of veterans that produced the defense that they had last year. Right. So why not lean into some youth lean into a new scheme and a, and a proven defensive mind in Brian Flores. We didn't even mention the departure of, of uh, Eric Hendricks either, who was also not, not necessarily his best in Donatel's defense last year, but you know, regardless, there, there's a lot of new faces here for Minnesota, which 
brings the question of what are the expectations? Now, there's not too much that we need to come to consensus to in the way of players, but we would like to come to consensus for expectations for this Vikings team in 2023, and that is what we're going to do here to close on this episode of Locked On NFL Scout. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yes, we got to do Brandon Powell, huh? Yeah, it was the only player that Kyle and I didn't grade the same way uh, after our independent research. I put him six. <laughs> yeah, I put him as right. We we won't we won't split too many hairs here. I put him as quality depth. I think Kyle, you had him as replacement level. This is the reason I put him in quality depth is I I like him as a punt returner, and I think the last couple of years with the Rams, he's been a meaningful punt returner for them. And so I think as a wide receiver six that offers kick and punt return ability. And, and again, I mean the the kick return is Wangu is going to be their kick returner, right? Um, does he make the team? I don't know, but I think he can be, if he, if you're looking for a wide receiver six that has return ability, I think Brandon Powell can check that box for you. I guess that was the hang up for me was not only in Wangu already in that role, but Rager, like, Rager, can Rager stinks as a punt role. returner though. Stinks. Uh, Jalen Naylor. I just thought he there were some other, the I thought there were some other options that were preventative for me being like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a valuable depth piece for Minnesota. I, I totally get that. And it's like, I hear you on that, but I think he's going to be somebody's wide receiver six and featured punt returner next year. It just might not be in Minnesota. I'm not going to fight hard here, but I think that's his redeeming quality. Okay, so do, or do you want to rock, paper, scissors this or what? Yeah, let's do. Let's do rock, paper, scissors. I, think I, don't, that's I don't have a great deal of conviction either way either. So All right, one, two, three, shoot. One, two, way. three, and then show whatever you're going to yeah, and I right. tried not. To, I tried to show them all there so that I didn't tip my hand on what my my tell is. Okay. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Quality all right. Depth quality, quality depth. He is a very scientific process we use to discern, determine this one. <laughs> um, do Do we need to talk about Kirk Cousins at all? Yeah, I think we should because I think I think he's a polarizing quarterback out there that. Uh, there's varying levels of appreciation for. Her. I don't think that I don't think Kirk Cousins should be one of the least polarizing quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, it's it's this world of um, can this player be the reason you are a Super Bowl contender every single year or not? Right. And right. I feel, I, that's such a small list of, of, of quarterbacks. Um, but I think I think people struggle with the upper middle class of quarterbacks. I mean, it's the Daniel Jones thing. It's Geno Smith has been challenging coming out of last year. I, I get it. Like, uh, but I can appreciate what Kirk cousins is the cons I mean, just unbelievable consistency 
for a long time now. And I know that, you know, there's like narratives with him about like primetime games or non one o'clock games and all that stuff. I don't know, man. I, I think you can do so much worse than Kirk Cousins. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of teams that would love to have Kirk Cousins and that stability that he offers at the position. Um, so he's polarizing, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm looking at this the way that I look at it. And I think that he's a quality starting NFL quarterback. Correct. We both have him as a quality starter. Um, the production speaks for itself with mid, you're going to get more mid 4,000 yards and probably 26 to 32 touchdowns a season. He is the quintessential. And I think I saw Derek Glasson talk about this too. He did a film study and dropped some thoughts on, on Kirk. I think it was end of last week. And it was like, Kirk is the quintessential teach tape at the quarterback position, but anytime that you need to get off the script of what you're going to be coached is the proper thing to do. The ceiling is extremely low. And I think that's fair, right? Within the structure and the confines of whatever plays you give Kirk cousins, he's probably going to execute it correctly. And you're probably going to get it thrown to the proper person. I'm old enough to remember the fourth and 18 throw to Justin Jefferson last year. That one. Justin bailed him out a little bit, right? Of course he did. <laughs> a That's, lot of hey, it. Hey, Kirk, you want a playoff script? Just find Jefferson. Just chuck it, man. That guy's right. going to catch it. Right. Got the greatest gravitational pull of any receiver to the ball in the league right now. But so, yes, if, if, if he has to get outside the pocket and throw on the move, if he has to throw with rushers in his face, if he has to extend plays with his legs, those aren't strengths. But if you expect them but, to be strengths and your expectations are off. Correct. Not every but, quarterback wins but, the same way. But but that that feels like the threshold. Like like for so many people, if you don't have that, you're automatically not a good quarterback. Or it's like I, I wouldn't want you to play for my team. Just it's an automatic disqualifier of oh, we can't thrive off script. Like Josh Allen hurdling people or Patrick like like that's a fair metric to measure ninety five percent of quarterbacks. Three guys in the, in the league can do it. So right. Let's make sure, yeah. There's... But but that's like that's why the discussion with guys like Kirk Cousins is the way that it is. And I, I think it's ridiculous because you should always aspire and want to find that kind of player. But if you're being realistic, they are so few and far between that it's next to impossible to expect yourself to happen into that situation unless you're picking early and you pick a quarterback with extreme traits like the Colts did with Anthony Richardson. And you're going to do right by him and really commit the next three, four years to investing around him in, in a proper way. Just kind of calibrating expectations for the Vikings. What's interesting about if you if you peek at their schedule, it's easy and hard at the same time. I mean, this team plays the best of the best in the NFL. They go to Philly. They've got Kansas City. They got San Francisco. They've got uh, they go to Cincinnati. First place but, schedule, right? Yeah, but listen. I'm not sure the rest is that daunting. I mean, they play their division, which is, you know, seems like a very mediocre division. They play the NFC South, which, I mean, is there any high-caliber teams there? I feel like... They got all the the hard teams from the other divisions in the NFC anyway. Right. The schedule's, like, not bad. It kind of stinks that your unique AFC opponent is the Bengals, though, at Cincinnati. Yeah. That stinks. It's either going to be Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, or KC. You're getting you're getting KC no matter what this year. 
I guess you would have preferred Jacksonville. Out of the, yes. the other three teams that yeah. you mentioned, yes. Yeah. Jacksonville, Jacksonville is the team that has the most questions because they're the newest on the scene of playoff contenders. Yes, for yeah. sure. I think it's, I think it's sets up very like, and all of those games are so nicely spaced out for Minnesota. They don't stack up, right? Like you're, I don't, I don't, I don't look at their schedule and I find like a bunch of like, Oh man, this could, this could be a skid. They could really stack some L's here. I could see them. I, I could see seven to nine wins Mike no nine wins might win that division look 11 and0 in the regular season in one score games last year unheard of right you had the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL against the Colts dude you had the crazy game against the bills right like there, there's this litany Kirk Cousins had eight game winning drives in the fourth quarter of games last year totally normal right I think from that standpoint alone, statistically speaking, you're looking at probably a bit of a win regression and then having a first place schedule and then the transitions away from so many prominent snap takers that are, are, I think you're getting more high variance players put into that spot. My expectation for Minnesota is seven and 10 through nine and eight, somewhere in that stratosphere. I think that's fair. I, and the last thing I want to get in here about Minnesota, I've said this a bunch of times throughout the course of this offseason, but I respect the course that they're on. Uh, you could see a lot of teams going out and going 13 and four and feeling like, okay, we, we don't, we're good. We need to adjust our vision. Like we got a chance to kind of st- stick with what we're doing here and, and, and maintain this level of performance. I think Minnesota has been honest. I think the, 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 what they pitch to ownership about, you know, their vision, their blueprint for building this football team. I think they're sticking with it despite winning 13 games, right? We, we talked about all these players of the transition away from leaning into youth, not being satisfied with, you know, kind of their defensive uh, scheme and, and making some changes there. I think that this team has been really honest with themselves, and I give them a lot of credit for that because I don't think a lot of teams do. Absolutely. But that is going to do it for us here on today's episode of the Locked on NFL Scouting podcast tomorrow. Joe, we are back to talk about another team in purple, the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow on the show. So plan accordingly. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We appreciate you guys for making us part of your day. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. We are the Draft News here on the Locked on NFL Scouting podcast. Make it a great rest of your day. Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.